Canine Cast number 12. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And it's Walter. Hi, I'd like to thank you all for the feedback that we've received the, since our last show. Um, it just keeps coming in and we love to see all the emails from our loyal listeners who've been with us for a while, but also from our new listeners. So welcome to the show. Um, I'd actually like to spotlight some of the feedback that we have gotten. Um, Mark sent in a good point after the last show. And just to recap, the last show was about getting a dog for your apartment. And one thing that I had said in that show was that when you bring a dog home, and this goes for whether you're in an apartment, a townhouse, a condo, a house, um, wherever you live with a dog, to be prepared to lose something of value. Now, you can actually help to prevent that from happening by crate training. And this is the part that Mark brought up. Um, We went over crate training during our disaster preparedness episode. That is something that is not cruel to dogs at all. Some people think that it's cruel because they see a dog in a cage, essentially. It's not cruel at all. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. It gives your dog basically a bedroom of its own. In the wild, wolves live in dens, which are little, little tiny areas that basically they can go in, turn around, and that's it. And the crate kind of gives your domestic dog, your pet, a similar type of place to go where, you know, it's just theirs. They can feel safe and secure and kind of a little bit closed in, which they actually enjoy. And what you do is you just set up the crate and you can keep their toys in it. You can give them treats in it. Some people even feed their dogs in their crates. And you can use that as a safe place to put them when you cannot watch them. Therefore, if they're in their crate when you can't watch them, they're not having, they don't have a chance to run around eating walls and such things. So I highly recommend that you do that. Uh, chances are, at some point, you probably will still lose something. Um, unless you are extremely diligent. And what you want to do then is just scold yourself for letting your dog uh, go do something out of your sight when you weren't watching it and then resolve to try to fix that next time. And when you're not watching them, put go ahead and put them in the crate until they've gotten to the point where you can kind of trust them around the house. Now, the way that you get to that point is by letting them have freedom a little bit at a time and see how they take it. So thank you, Mark, for sending that in uh, so that we can go over some, you know, preventing behavioral problems with that. Uh, Another thing that we got was actually from Paul in Dallas. And he wrote in and said that he, like I said, he lives in in the Dallas area. And close to where he lives, there is a monthly flea market. He went down there this weekend for the first time and said that he was amazed to find so many puppies for sale, estimating at least 300. He said they were priced at far less than dog stores and that the majority of the sellers claimed that they had AKC papers, but he didn't actually verify whether or not they would produce them. Now, now he says, um, from listening to your show, I wouldn't think you'd support getting a dog from such an event favoring instead a rescue dog. And actually, he's, he's exactly right. I would, I would say that. Um, and I would actually say that for a number of reasons. Basically, in my opinion, the best places to get a dog 
are from a rescue or a shelter. And then after that, if you if you want a purebred dog, uh, specific and especially if you want them for a specific purpose, like say that you are really into agility and you want a want a dog that is a great breed for agility that you that maybe has been bred from working lines that will really want to do that and you want to get it really young, then your best bet would be to go to a responsible breeder. Now, you're not going to find a responsible breeder at at the flea market. Um, he also asked what uh, I also asked about my thoughts on side of the road sellers, which is not an, a place that you're going to find responsible breeders either. Basically, the way that you find a responsible breeder is by going to going to dog shows and looking at um, looking at the dogs there and interacting with the people there who are interested in basically what you're interested in. For example, if you are interested in say a border collie for agility, all right? And before before you jump in there, I would say, you know, make sure that this is something that you want to do because border collies are a breed that really really want to work um, whether you do or not. But say that you're into this and you want a border collie to compete in agility. Well, one of the best things to do is to actually go to agility trials in your area and talk to people there who have border collies. Find out where they got theirs. Um, some, some of them may actually be breeders who have bred those working lines. Um, if you want to, say you still want a border collie, but this time you want to do herding with it, which is what they were designed to do. Well, you would want to find a close by herding trial and go there and talk to the people there. Now, that's the first step in finding a responsible breeder. Now, the people who are there, they may, you know, they may love their sport, but that doesn't necessarily um, put them in the category of a responsible breeder. Now, I actually have some links for you that will help you, that will help you figure out which are the responsible breeders versus the uh, the irresponsible or backyard breeders. Backyard breeders being just people who, you know, people who just have a dog and they breed it, which, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they're, that they're not well-meaning people. They just may not realize that this is not the best thing to do. So to give you an idea, um, backyard breeders would breed, you know, for fun or because they wanted their kids to experience it or maybe to make a little bit of money they would be the type where they're probably not going to screen the buyers too much, um, mean, meaning that they're probably going to go ahead and sell the puppy to you just because you showed up and wanted it without necessarily trying to figure out if it is indeed a good puppy for you. Now, if you go to a, a reputable breeder, basically they are going to have, they are going to have um, two different kinds of dogs. They are going to have dogs that have been earmarked to be um, show dogs. And that could be confirmation show. That could also be working dogs. It could, in a lot of cases, it's both. And if you're getting some type of a breed that has been bred for a job, then you will want these dogs to be able to do both. Um, then there will be other ones that are earmarked as pet dogs. And they'll be able to tell you the reasons why they have chosen one over the other what they will do is they will they will talk to you and they will try to match you with the best puppy from the litter like you know they're not just going to say okay go go pick one 
they will actually find out what lifestyle you lead, what you want the dog for, and try to match you up with the one that's going to best fit you, your family, and your lifestyle. So, And that's something that's very important because say that you're going to a breeder because you want a dog to be a house pet and just kind of hang out with you. Well, then you don't want the next agility superstar because they're a little bit too energetic for your taste. But, you know, likewise, if you do want the next agility superstar, you don't want a dog that pretty much wants to sit on your lap all the time. So those are some, some things to think about. Um, now, with the, with the good breeders, the reputable breeders, the prices will probably be quite a bit higher. However, however, keep in mind that these people are not doing this to make money. As a matter of fact, because of everything that they put into their dogs, they rarely break even on these litters. Um, for example, before they will breed a dog, they have, they have tested that dog um, either through confirmation or for um, some, type, some type of work that the dog was bred for. Um, a lot of times, both of those, and there there are many people who will do multiple, multiple different types of competitions with their dogs, and basically, if their dogs don't measure up to those to those levels, then they don't breed their dog. They're re not because they don't love their dog, of course they do, but the reason being, they are breeding in order to better the breed. They aren't breeding just, you know, because there's dogs there and they want more dogs. What they want is to help create um, even better dogs in the next generation than in the generation before. So that's that's basically what you want to look for if you are going to get a dog from a breeder. And and truthfully, even though it costs more, it's so very worth it because these these people, these reputable breeders, have had their dogs tested. They know what genetic faults can be passed down, and they they don't breed dogs that carry um, that carry strong traits towards a genetic fault and they breed so as to minimize those so you are much less likely to end up with a sick dog you are much less likely to end up with a dog with a bad temperament and if you if you do then these breeders generally will you know guarantee the dog meaning that if, if something happens then they will you know they will take it back or give you another one which you know, is, is really tough when you have, once you have a dog and you love it, you want it to be yours anyway. But the point is they stand behind their litter. If for any reason you cannot keep your dog, they want you to bring it back. A reputable breeder's dog is never going to go into a shelter or a rescue because that breeder is going to take care of it no matter what. And that's true of every single dog that they breed. They consider those dogs their responsibility. They realize that there's an overpopulation problem and they are willing to step up and make sure that their dog does not become a part of that problem. That's a very, very important thing. Um, and that's, that's why you're going to pay more. But in the long run, since your dog is much less likely to get sick, you're much less likely to have tremendous vet bills or, um, you know, or have to bring in a behaviorist because your dog is um, completely out of control. Also, those breeders are then resources for life. You can, you can talk to them. They want you to call them, let them know what's going on with the dogs. And they want to work with you to help that dog be successful in your home. Now, on the other hand, backyard breeders will pretty much give you the dog and, you know, that's, that's it. That's the dog. And if you, you know, they won't, they won't necessarily take it back if they're, 
you know, if you can't keep it for whatever reason. Um, they, they don't in any way, in any way work to necessarily keep problems from happening. A lot of times they just spread with whatever other dog was available. And while they may love their dog very much, they didn't actually test it to see if it had genetic defaults before doing so. So it re it really is a much better idea if you do want a purebred puppy for, you know, for whatever reason that you go to a reputable breeder who will be able to match you with the dog for you and be able to give you the one that's going to be either the wonderful pet that you want it to be or the, you know, or the star that you want it to be in dog sports. So that's, so that's pretty much how I stand on, uh, on side of the road breeders and, and flea market breeders. Don't, don't do it. Um, by, by going there, you encourage that behavior and you're probably getting something that, that may turn out to be a problem for you in the long run. And of course, it goes without saying the same for pet stores. Walter, do you have anything to add? Well, I just wanted to ask you, Tara, I see a lot of dogs in rescues and at the shelters that appear to be, you know, purebred dogs or whatever. I mean, are you, you're not obviously, you know, if people are looking for a particular dog type, I mean, they could check the shelters too. Oh, yes. For that. Yes, absolutely. Um, you can, you can check, you can check shelters. As a matter of fact, even if you want a purebred dog, I still recommend that un unless, again, you have a specific reason, like you, you want, you know, the next agility star from, from a line of um, dogs who've been doing agility forever, or you want the next, um, you know, hunting dog star who've been, you know, from a line of people who've been doing this for years and can give you that, I would highly recommend going to your shelter or your rescue first. There are a lot of rescues that are specific to breeds, and a lot of the people actually involved in those rescues, interestingly enough, are people who are reputable breeders. Again, they realize there's an overpopulation problem and they work to solve it. And that's one of the ways that they do it. So you can go there. Um, you can go to your local shelter. Um, a, lot, a lot of times they'll have purebred dogs there as well, especially the more popular ones. You can walk in on, on almost any day and see a few purebred dogs there. So those are also um, great places to go if you want a purebred and if you want mixed breeds as well. Yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, the statistics say that about 25% of the dogs in shelters are purebred. So, yeah, so, that, so that's, that's a big number. Um, I, know, I know when most people think of shelter dogs, they probably think of mixed breeds. And I have to say that Walter and I ourselves are kind of partial to our mixed breed dogs. But, um, but again, if you, if you are wanting a purebred, um, breeders are not the only way to go by any means at all. So definitely check that out. And you can get young puppies at shelters and rescues as well, especially this time of year, um, it's pretty much puppy season. So if you're looking for, if you specifically want a puppy, this is the best time of year to go to your local shelter or rescue and check that out, especially since not as many people tend to adopt in the summertime. So this is, this is the time where you'll get the largest selection for many different reasons. So I recommend that you check that out. All right, Paul also brings up another topic. He said a local pet store has been selling an increasing number of mixed breed dogs. And he says that supposedly, according to these stores, you get the benefits of both breeds in one package. Now, this does seem to be um, the newest fad that you see with celebrities and such. And it, it has been said over the years that one of, one of the great things about mixed breed dogs is just that, that they tend to get the best of both breeds. 
Well, the fact of the matter is they might or they might not. That you could, it's, it's basically kind of um, a gamble on whether or not they're going to get, you know, the good traits from both dogs, maybe the bad traits from both dogs. Um, but, I mean, chances are they're just going to be their own dog. And, and we're talking about, you know, you take a purebred dog and another purebred dog of a different breed and mix them together type type of mixes here. Exactly, exactly. The one, the ones that you see a lot of nowadays are the ones where, say, it's a it's, uh, poodle and some other dog. Those are the ones that I've seen that are most common. Although, of course, you can make mixes out of many different things. Um, now, you know, he says, he says basically, um, you know, it's, it's intentional mixed breeding. Now, I, I personally don't care for intentional mixed breeding myself. I, th I think that, again, as I've said many times before, the, the real, the real good reason for breeding right now when there's such overpopulation is to better the breed of dog. If you are mixing breeds, well, then you're not doing that. You're just, you know, kind of haphazardly mixing breeds. And normally, I would say that I would say people who intentionally breed these mixes, again, probably do not do the testing that people that people who love a breed work with a breed normally do. So you're kind, you're kind of, um, you know, playing a gamble there. Now, once again, Walter, Walter and I are big fans of, um, of mutts and mixes. Once we come across them, I mean, you know, getting one from a shelter or a rescue, we think is wonderful. But again, I would not recommend buying one from a breeder because it does encourage um, irresponsible behavior and people, you know, breeding these dogs. I mean... When there's already such overpopulation and so many dogs out there, if you want a mixed breed, you can go find one. I mean, that's that's not a problem. So making more of them to me in this situation doesn't make sense. And, you know, if I, I personally, I would not in any way recommend that. And I would say that um, reputable breeders uh, don't do that. So thank you, Paul, for bringing those up. We really appreciate that. And, um, and again, anybody who's looking for a dog, you know, absolutely think that the rescue in the shelter is the best place to go. Um, oh, one other thing that he does bring up is that a lot of people feel like it may be better to get a puppy than to get a dog at a shelter that has baggage. Now, I have to say that growing up, my parents always actually felt that way as well, that when you got a puppy, you could mold it in the way that you wanted it better than you could an older dog. Having having grown up then with puppies and had older dogs that I've rescued in my adulthood, I would actually tend to disagree with that sentiment. I think that when you get an older dog, what you see is what you get. You know, you know the size that it is. You know the personality that it is. It's um, you you have a much better time seeing what this dog is going to be like. And chances are, they're not going to change a whole lot, which which doesn't mean that if they jump a lot, you can't teach them to sit instead. It just means that their their basic personality, how they react to the world around them, if is... If they're a couch potato, if they like to run around all the time, you know, they're not going to switch suddenly exa on you. Exactly. Exactly. Not, not most of the time. If so, then it's probably a totally different issue. But, um, but yeah, most of the time, if you, if you get a dog that seems pretty calm, it's probably going to be pretty calm. So I so I would say too that that's a that that's a wonderful thing if you dogs dogs their personality is kind of set by the time they're six months old, 
And they're st- they still tend to be more energetic at that age up until they get to about two. But once they get past the two-year-old mark, then they're, they're pretty set in their ways, which can be a really good thing if, you know, if you're looking for a dog that you want to know what you're going to get. Now, you, you say they're set in their ways, and I'm, I know on the uh, previous show you said that older dogs are easier to train. What's the distinction here between training and, you know, dog personalities, I guess? Okay, the, the distinction being um, that, you know, well, if you, think about, if you think about people, okay, now, any person can learn, can learn to do certain things. Um, you know, we all are taught by our parents when we're young to say please and thank you. All right, that would be, that would be like training. Um, however, there are, there are some people who are just very, very energetic and always on the go. That's their general personality. Well, there are some people who are much calmer and, you know, and prefer to do, you know, to do much calmer things. That's their personality. No amount of training is going to change that, which isn't to say that a calm person can't go run a marathon and that an energetic person can't, you know, sit down and watch a movie. It's just that, you know, their, their personality is what it is. Dogs are the same way. They each have their own personalities. And as puppies, those personalities can change widely as they grow. Whereas with a dog that's a little bit older, you know, between, between the ages of um, six months to two years is when their, their personality kind of evens out. And then after that, you, you know exactly what you're getting. Thanks, Paul, for sending in that information. Um, that's really important, especially when pe- for people to know, especially, like I said, at this time of year when there are so many puppies available that they kind of know what are good places to go to get them. And so since you said that you're looking for a dog, I wish you the best of luck in your endeavor. And thanks for sending that in. It was good to hear from you. All right. Well, now we're going to read a story that was sent in from Gretchen from the Mommy Cast podcast. She sent this story in after the last show on breed bands. Her dog in the story is a Rottweiler, and actually the dog's name is Bren, and we've already posted a picture of Bren that Gretchen had sent us previously. We'll go ahead and link to that picture again in the show notes for this show. So, uh, Tara, go ahead and take this away. Thank you, Walter. Here's Gretchen's story. I wanted to let you know how much I agreed with your point of view on breed banning. I, too, believe there are no bad dogs, only bad owners. As you know, we had a Rottweiler for 12 years. She was the sweetest animal. She was loving, devoted, funny, intelligent, but as all dogs are, she was very protective of her people. We did extensive training with her. With her size and strength and her protective instinct, I believe she was the equivalent of a loaded weapon. The training gave us the safety latch. We loved her protective instinct, but had to be able to control her in all situations. That is where the training came in. We actually were preparing to show her in the obedience ring when she blew her knee out chasing a ball. After surgery, her leg never tucked back in properly, so showing her was out. Here is an example of a potentially dangerous situation where her training was tested. I used to work in an office in a dance studio. I would often be there by myself for hours because the studio would not really open until the afternoon when the kids were out of school. I took Bren with me to keep me company and also for safety's sake. I always locked the door but on this particular day, I forgot to do so. In bounded the mailman. I am sure you can guess what happened next. Friend took after him and chased him out the door. By the time I registered what was going on and ran outside, Bren had cornered the mailman and was in a pre-attack crouch. The mailman was standing there frozen with a can of mace. However, due to Bren's training, 
The crouch is all she did. She waited for me to tell her what to do next. I called her off, and she immediately came by my side and sat down. I don't even want to think about what would have happened if she had not been trained. Poor mailman. I don't think he was ever the same. I apologized up one side and down the other for not locking the door. I did not apologize for my dog. She did the right thing. It was my fault for being careless. Keep up the great work. Gretchen, Mommy Cast. Well, thank you so much for sending that in, Gretchen. Yes, that was wonderful. Thanks for sending that in, Gretchen. I wholeheartedly agree with you, and I really, really like that story because it shows exactly how important training your dog is. So thanks once again for sending in your story. And please continue sending in your stories. We're really enjoying sharing these with all of the listeners on the show. Also, we have received some more pictures. One of them is actually of Mark's dog, Fly, that we read about on the last show. And there are some other ones as well. Some are really cute and others are really pretty. So check those out on our website. And please continue to send in your questions and your comments as well so we can go over those on the show. You can do that either through email, through our website, or by leaving us a message on voicemail or Skype. And actually, if you leave us a story, question, or comment on the voicemail or Skype, then we can play it on the show, which is also really cool. So with that, we're going to say good night. And if you haven't already, please spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com. <laughs>